Bibles, guys, I'm going to ask you to turn with me uh, to the book of Romans, the 15th chapter. Romans chapter number 15. Uh, and we're going to continue with our series uh, talking about preparing for greater. Our God is greater, right? And we're, pre- we're preparing for greater ministry, for greater opportunity. And in particular, we're preparing for greater relationship. Because if you know anything about God and why he created us and why he saved us, he created us and he saved us so that we can have relationship with people. God saved us here so that we could impact somebody else's life. And what we're discovering, amen, uh, in, in, in the times that we live in, especially many Christians are not really comfortable in doing relationships the way God wants them done. Many believers are not real comfortable in interfacing with people who don't look just like them, who don't do the same things that they do, who are not uh, 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 moving in the same direction. Don't vote the way they vote. Come on, somebody. Don't go to the pl- same places they go. Don't, don't go to the same church that we go to. And so we, we end up being uncomfortable building those relationships. But God saved us so that we amen, can impact people's lives. And the only way we're going to do that is we got to get greater in our relationship process. And every last one of us in here have to work on that. Can I get a witness? So Romans, the 15th chapter, um, uh, we're going to begin our reading uh, at verse number seven, Romans 15, verse number seven. And as we begin to read this, uh, remember we we were talking about relationships and being great in relationship. And we begin to talk about some things that the Bible specifically tells us as we share it with you on numerous occasions, how important it is for us to, to love one another, uh, how important it is for us to accept one another, how important it is to serve one another, to comfort one another, forgive one another, all those one another's in the Bible. God talks about it so that we can begin to embrace each other. Amen. And to love on people the way God wants to love on them. Romans 15 and seven. Y'all there? Let's read. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given what? Glory. Verse number eight. Let's read it. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. Next verse says what? Uh, He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God. For his mercies to them. This is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your what? Name. Verse 10, let's read. And in another place it is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. Verse 11, 12, and 13, let's go. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. 12. And in another place, Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. Verse 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Talking about preparing for greater in relationships. Amen. Uh, As Paul writes in that letter to the saints at Rome, he's dealing with a a peculiar problem uh, in the formation of the early church, as we know. Uh, You had Jew and Gentile coming together into this new institution that's called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we're going to see later on, as Jesus interacts with this Samaritan woman at the well, there was some very, uh, uh, very tenuous intention field interaction between Jew and Gentile. Can I get a witness? There was, there was, there was uh, to put it bluntly, there was racial and spiritual prejudice that was going on between those two groups. And in order for the church to be the church that God ordained for it to be, we got to deal with those kind of relationship problems, those hot button issues That many times a lot of us don't want to talk about or if we do talk about it, we talk about it in a negative, ungodly way. Can I get a witness? And so Paul writes here to let them know that Jew and Gentile belong in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
So we, we start off by saying that, that part of, part of uh, getting better at relationship building is to make sure that we know ourselves. And I told you that as we go through this series, I, I want to talk a little bit, each, uh, we'll start us off by, by getting us to kind of know ourselves because knowing ourselves reco- requires us to look back over where we came from. Can I get a witness? In order to truly know yourself, you got to look back so that you can be, begin to go forward. And we talked about the fact that many of us have wounds. I mean, a wound, we said, was what? Any unresolved issue where a lack of closure impacts and shapes the direction and dynamic of a person's life now. A wound is an unresolved issue that's impacting how you do life now. A wound is an unresolved issue that's impacting how good or how bad you're able to do relationship building. Can I get a witness? And if we don't ever address those wounds in our lives, those those wounds will continue to, in a lot of cases, negatively impact our ability to do life the way God wants us to do life. Because if somebody hurt you 15 years ago and now God, through his word, is telling you to go and pray with that person, but you never dealt with that wound that happened 15 years ago. You never dealt with that issue with your dad or your mom that happened 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Then now all of a sudden that prevents you from doing God's will because you said there's no way in hell I'm going over there and pray with that person. Yeah, you said it that way. Hell is in the Bible and I did not cuss. Amen. How many of y'all know hell is in the Bible? All right. All right. So, so, so we got to learn how to deal with those wounds because if, not, if, we don't, if we don't know that we have them, first of all, then we continue to act in a certain way that's being impacted by the wound, the wound that we never addressed. So, so, so today I want to just hit on this wound that, that sometimes hinders people from being the best they can possibly be in relationship building, and that's called the father wound. And you guys who went through uh, uh, men's fraternity with us, will, 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 this will be familiar with you and it will resonate with you. As a matter of fact, some of my guys have told me over the, over the period of time since we've been studying this stuff, they said, Pastor, you know, you talk to us men about this, our wives need to hear some of this too. You know, you, you're telling us, Pastor, and, and we're trying to get ourselves together. But, but sometimes, Pastor, when we go back and, and, and try to deal with our wives, they tell us, who's been talking to you? Where do you get that stuff from? We're going to keep doing it the way we've always done it. And so, so we're sharing these things because it's crucially important. Because I, I, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that, that many of us are carrying this wound even into adulthood, into our 40s and our 50s and our 60s, uh, the father wound. What is the father wound? The father wound is an, an ongoing emotional, social, or spiritual deficit that's caused by the lack of a healthy, everybody say healthy. By the lack of a healthy relationship with dad and now must be overcome by some other means. There are many of you sitting there today who 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 know that your father was absent. There are many of you sitting there today who know that your father, you may not even know who your father is. There are many of you sitting there today who had who knew your father was. He was in the house, but the relationship was not very healthy. It was not very spiritual. It was it was it was it was sometimes it may have been cantankerous. It may have been it may have been uh, you, you, you walked out of fear rather than love with your dad. So that father wound resonates with a lot of us. And, it, it, and, and, and we look at our outline, we say it was caused, this father wound was caused when there was a lack of heart connection. Everybody say heart connection. There's a lack of heart connection or companionship or substantive direction from dad. In other words, he was there, but you never connected with him. He was there, but you never, you, you, uh, you never had a chance to sit down and talk about life issues with dad. Or maybe he wasn't there and, and you knew him, but he wasn't there and he had no interaction and didn't, did not even attempt to show that he wanted to connect with you. I want you to, I want to tell you something right now. That has impacted you whether you realize it or not. And that father wound sometimes keeps us from being relational. Amen. It's, it's about how your dad related to you. Now, three common responses to the father wound that many of us carry. What one response that you find is, is people have anger and pain. Everybody say anger and pain. The Bible shows a connection between a man's anger and a woman's anger and their dad. Go with me to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, right quick. Verse number, let's start at verse number one. Ephesians six, chapter, verse number one. And then we're going to look at Colossians three and 21. Everybody said the father wound. Because guys, if you don't know yourself, 
If you don't know your little idiosyncrasies, if you don't know your little habits, your little clicks, your little ticks, those, those little things that, that are strange with you that's causing you to not be able to interact with people, if you don't know that and acknowledge that, you'll never get to the point to where you'll address it. Because you'll always say, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm good. Any man, when you ask him about <laughs> emotional wounds, they'll say, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Nothing wrong with me, man. I just get along with everybody. I just get along with everybody. But, but, but when, you, when you really start to look back at it, sometimes those wounds are percolating to the surface and other people may notice it and you don't even know it. Can I get a witness? Watch what the text says here. Verse 1, let's read. Read it, read. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is what? The right thing to do. Children, that's the right thing to do. Children, it says what? Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Verse number 2, read. It says what? Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment, what? With the promise. Verse number three, let's read together. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a what? That's the first commandment with promise, right? It, it says if you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you'll live long on the earth, okay? I'm going to say this right quick. Listen, sometimes, again, when we get to a certain age, we feel like we don't have to do this anymore. How many of y'all have dealt with 17 and 18 year olds who were still living on your dime? Eating the food you brought to the house. Come on now. Come on. Huh? Sleeping in the bed that you provided. Are y'all with me today? Driving the car you provided and put gas in there for them. Come on. And then all of a sudden at 18, they feel like they know everything and you are just as stupid as all get out. They don't come out and say that, but that's what they're thinking. Hello. The text says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you. I am convinced that many of our children are having heartache and pain because they were hard-headed. Huh? Some things that, that, that you were advised on by your parents, even in your relationship building, you ignored it. And you said, Mama don't know because this, this, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. This woman right here who I'm connected with. And mama in her spirit had, had the spirit of discernment. And she could see that, 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 that controlling and manipulative spirit that was inside of that girl that you, yeah, that you dating now that's keeping you from coming to church now. Huh? Can I get a witness? They began to see those things. So, so listen. Children, I want to tell you something. It is wise to receive from your parental influence. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life. Or verse four is what I really want to get to. Watch what verse four says. What? Fathers. Everybody say fathers. Everybody say daddies. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that does what? That comes from whom? The Lord. It's interesting to me that he, 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 he hones in right here. And Paul, as he writes to the church at Ephesus, talks to the dad about not provoking the children to anger. Because many times if dad has not been cultivated in the ways of God and he did not have a relationship with a father or a grandfather who brought him up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, then there are many times they don't know, many dads don't know how to do this well, and so they come out because they didn't have a relationship with dad, now they're angry and, and all the children are scared of them. Rather than uh, learning, you know, I, I believe, I believe here's, here's what I believe, I believe there's, there, is a, uh, there needs to be a, a, a little healthy line, fine line there where your children are a little halfway scared of you. To where they respect you. To where if the thought comes that they're going to come and say something to you out of line or, or in, a, in, in, a, in a derogatory or disrespectful way, they're going to think twice. Maybe if I say that, I may get knocked out. Not that you got to knock them out, but they need to think that you're going to knock them out. Uh, bro, pastor, bro, pastor. That's going out on, on, on the air. Somebody's going to say, you, 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 you're, 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 you're teaching dads to, to, to abuse the truth. No, I didn't say that. I said they need to think you're going to knock them out. The Bible says, uh, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will do what? Drive that foolishness far from them. So don't, don't hit them in the chest, but get you a paddle. 
Any of y'all got a paddle? See, when they get 18, when you got an 18-year-old boy in the house, a belt ain't gonna do the belt just don't do it. You gotta come you gotta come with something a little bit stronger. Hello? Y- y'all listening to me? But fathers, do not so children obey your parents, okay? That's all I'm saying. Fathers do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them, rather bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Go to Colossians 3 and 21 with me right quick. Hurry, hurry. See, this, this wound, this wound, wounds we got to deal with, and many, many times we carry these wounds in adulthood and don't even realize that this is what's affecting how we act today. So we got to look back and observe it so that we can deal with it and allow the Holy Spirit to, to help us in this process, okay? Can I get a witness? Colossians 3 and 21. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, all right, or they will become discouraged. There are many dads who are aggravating their children. I mean, in other words, they're not, they're not necessarily being that, that, that father like God, the heavenly father is. Now, now, again, I'm not saying that fathers shouldn't discipline their children, but this is talking about a father who's, who's coming at them hard and not teaching them anything. And all of a sudden, that child grows up, and, and they, 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 they don't feel comfortable even coming and talking to dad. And that wound develops, amen? Without a dad there in their life, guys, there's a vacuum uh, in that child's life, and part of what fills that vacuum sometimes is a, a spirit of rage. Because, again, they become discouraged, and they become angry, amen? So anger and pain is one of the, the results of the father wound, or the response to that father wound. If, you, if you're married to somebody who's angry all the time, Check out their relationship with their dad. It could, be a, it, it could be a clue as to why they're acting the way they're acting. Amen. Anger and pain. Number two, bottle up feelings. So one of the second common response to a father wound is you bottle up your feelings. Amen. You, you pretend like you're not affected. Amen. You can never completely bottle those feelings up because they're going to express themselves somehow, some way. Okay. Can I get a witness today? There's an, author, there's an author by the name of John Siles. He said this. He says fatherlessness creates an appetite in that soul that demands a fulfillment. Let me say it again. He says fatherlessness creates an appetite in the soul realm that demands fulfillment. And unfortunately, when that father wound is there, there's some unhealthy ways in which that hunger in that soul is fulfilled. Many times people carrying Particularly men that are carrying father wounds, they, 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 they have addictions. They get addicted to alcohol, to drugs. They have uh, uh, obsessions that come upon them. They get into drugs. They get into pornography. They get into excessive alcohol. They get into a performance-based type lifestyle. Where they, they, they always got to try to prove something to somebody because that father wound is still there, and they're trying to overcome it by being this great person to prove to dad that I am something. Because they never heard dad say, I love you. They never heard dad, uh, amen, say, I'm proud of you. They never heard dad say, I, you're good at this. And I am proud of what you're accomplishing in your life. So that wound comes in and it affects men and women. Can I get a witness today? So if you, if you don't know yourself, if you don't know that that's affecting you that way, then you may not even understand why you are the way you are when it comes to relationship building. So we have an inner sense of incompleteness that, 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 that resonates in our lives. And that incompleteness can be relational. In other words, we, we, we never uh, felt accepted or validated by dad. So, so now we, we, you know, relational, we have, we have a deficit when it comes to building relationships because dad never affirmed us. Dad never validated us. I'm telling every father in here right now, your children need to know that you love them. It is interesting to me, and I, I know people say this all the time, well, I, dad never said it, but I knew he loved it because he provided for us. That's cool. But if we go by the example of Scripture, God the Father, Brother Craig, amen, when Jesus' son was baptized in the Jordan River and the Spirit of God descended in the form or in the likeness of a dove upon him, there's a voice from heaven that came and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God didn't, God the Father didn't have to say it, but he said it, I believe, to give us an example that fathers on earth need to tell our children that we love them. I am convinced that there are many girls, young ladies that, that, that are right now that, 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 that are jumping from place to place and from man to man because they have a father wound that they're trying to get overcome and they don't know how to overcome it. So they search for that father figure in that man. 
We're going to look at it in our, in our scripture text today about the Samaritan woman at the well. How many of y'all know she had five husbands and the dude she was living with wasn't her husband? Jesus told the truth, didn't he? And so that, that, that Samaritan woman had a wound there that needed to be dealt with. So we got to make sure that we, 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 we face that father wound. And then on next week, we're going to talk about the mother wound. Amen? Can I get a witness? Because those wounds come in all shapes, forms, and sizes. But we need to know ourselves so we can prepare ourselves and deal with the wound so that we can get to the point where we're relational so that God can use us the way he wants to use us. See, with Christ's help, we can overcome the effects of the father wound. With Christ's help, when we, when we understand who our heavenly father is, even though our earthly father's relationship wasn't just quite right, if we get in connection with our heavenly father, we can overcome those wounds. God wants to come in and help us to be the best that we can be. Amen? So again, how, how do we develop these God-honoring relationships? Let's move on, keep moving forward. Now again, we, we told you on last week and the week before that several times in the New Testament, the phrase one another, one to another, each other is repeated. And the writers remind us over and over again to love one another, to accept one another, serve one another, comfort one another, forgive one another, honor one another, bear one another's burdens, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, and to be kind to one another. It looks like to me that God wanted us to connect with one another. It looks like to me that God wants us to have interaction with each other. Well, why, pray tell me, are you sitting there right here at Elizabeth Baptist Church on the third Sunday in the month of October in the year 2019 and saying to yourself, I don't want to fool with church people? Why are you sitting there when I just told you about all those one another's and you're sitting there saying, well, you know, brother pastor, I understand what you're talking about, but that ain't me. I understand what you're saying, but pastor, but you know what? You know, I, I, I just do me the way I've been doing me and it's been working for me. I've told you before, you got to stop doing you and let Jesus Christ live through you. Can I get a witness up in here? So, so we talked about love one another uh, on last week. Let's go to the next one. Accept one another. Everybody say accept one another. Say it again. Say accept one another. It's critically important. Now, now, now watch this. Watch this. Go, go with me, if you will, to the gospel according to St. John, the fourth chapter. We have to accept one another. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some things here, and I, I pray that you hear my heart, because the church has to get this right. The church has to show the world how to get along. But we can't show the world how to get along if we're not getting along. Are y'all with me today? Accept one another. St. John, the fourth chapter, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. This is a familiar passage. Y'all know it. You've been in Sunday school for half, you know, at least two or three years. You've seen the story and you read the story of Jesus interaction with this Samaritan woman at the well. Let's begin our reading right there. Amen. Are y'all there with me? Let's, let's read. It says Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. All right. Y'all with me? They, they, they knew that. Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Now look at verse number two. Watch this. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. Verse number three says, so he left Judea and did what? He did what? He returned to Galilee. Next verse says what? He had to go through Samaria on the way. The text says eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now watch this. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Now, let me stop right here before we go to the next part. Now, notice when we started this passage, we said that the Pharisees, go back to verse one right here. Watch this. Watch, watch what Jesus does here because... Uh, the Pharisees had begun to talk about Jesus' impact. And then there were some in the religious hierarchy who, who started to compare John the Baptist's ministry with the ministry work that Jesus was doing. Watch out for people who start comparing ministries. Watch out for people who come in, even if your ministry is growing and you got people patting you on the back, oh, y'all doing much better than that church over there. Watch out for that kind of spirit. What Jesus said, the Bible says Jesus knew 
The Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. That word more there means that they were comparing what Jesus was doing and what John the Baptist was doing. So Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, said, listen, I got to check out here because this this ain't going to work. Y'all trying to pit us against one another. So I'm going to leave here and I got to go through Samaria. As a matter of fact, the King James Version put it this way. He left he uh, he left uh, uh, Judea and departed again into Galilee. And verse four in the KJV says, and he must needs go through Samaria. Everybody say must needs. That means it was imperative, it was critically important that he go through Samaria. And we're going to see why it was in just a little bit, okay? So get back with me uh, to, to, this, uh, to the fifth verse of this fourth chapter right quick. So he, he, he begins to go through Samaria, not around Samaria that was customary of a lot of Jews. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Next verse says what? Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat eerily beside the well about noontime. Next verse says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Verse four says he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Look at the next verse. The woman was surprised. Ever since she, 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 she was surprised, she was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritan. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. What's up with you asking me for something to drink? That, that, that's just my interpretation. OK, he says, why are you asking me for a drink? Verse number 10, let's read. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? She didn't understand what he was talking about. He was talking in the spiritual nature, but she was still in the, in the physical carnal realm. Sometimes when you're talking spiritual, people who are carnal and world don't understand you. Amen. But you keep speaking the things that God told you to speak. And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Next verse says what? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Verse 14, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Come on, let's keep going. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. She was still thinking in the natural, guys. But Jesus is talking about the spiritual. Now, notice what Jesus said. Go get your husband. Now, now, now watch this. See, when Jesus gets ready to deal with us, he knows us better than we know ourselves. In the middle of this conversation, when she's talking about, I want this living water, so I don't have to come back to this well again. Amen. Because women were often sent to fetch the water. Amen. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna look and see here that in society they were they were looked down upon quite you know quite often in this in this society that 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 Jesus is living here at this point in time. He said, "Go and get your husband." Look at the next verse. Watch this. I don't have a husband. Some of y'all singers out this mind. I ain't got none either, Pastor. <laughs> well, that's okay. Just wait. Amen. Just you know if if you know if, and I, I I've said this before. If you are single, enjoy your singleness. Hello, you don't have to feel like you're less than because you don't have a husband or a wife right now. Just don't be acting like you're married. You know what acting like you're married means? Just like this woman at the well. She was acting like she was married. All right, watch, watch the text. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. You're right, you don't have a husband. Look at verse number 18. For you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. That's what Jesus told her. Watch this. Watch the text. Come on. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. That wasn't, Jesus don't told her about herself without even knowing about herself. I mean, not knowing her personally. He just met her, but he tells her something that only he could have known because he didn't know this woman. So, so tell me, why is it that you, you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? 21, Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you, whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Next verse, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. 
<laughs> While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Now look at the next verse. Let's read, read. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worship will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Verse 24, let's go. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him what? In spirit and in truth. 25, let's go. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. 26 says what? Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Let's stop right here. Let's see if we can unpack some of this. Now, again, Jesus comes and talks to this Samaritan woman. This Samaritan woman was surprised. As a matter of fact, I'm going to use the word. She was flabbergasted that this 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 Jewish person was talking to her in public. Now, watch this. Why was this the case? Because there were some barriers that separate this woman from Jesus. The first barrier was the racial barrier. Everybody say racial barrier. Look, look, look in uh, uh, St. John, fourth chapter, verse number nine, we'll be right quick. OK, look at verse nine again. If, if you can pop it up, right. Verse nine it says the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? OK, so again, what, what are the barriers? The first barrier that separated the woman from Jesus was the racial barrier. An extreme hatred existed between Jews and Samaritans. You know the story. It, and, and so you may know that the hatred existed, but what was the cause of it? It began some 750 years earlier when the Assyrians took the Israelites captive. And after years of enduring hardship in prison camps, they were released and allowed to return to Jerusalem. Well, when they when they got back home, they discovered that many of their people who had been left behind had intermarried with the surrounding pagan nations and had assimilated some of their religious practices into what they were doing as Jews. Okay, so since since Jewish law prohibited intermarrying because of not race, but because of paganism, because of People not knowing God and people knowing God, people who don't know God, amen, and people who do know God, amen. Bible says, be ye not unequally yoked together with what? Unbelievers. I told y'all before, you got to get off of this trip, amen. God don't care who you marry as long as they say. I said God does not have a problem about what race of person you may look at me, what race of person you marry as long as they say. Come this side of here, because I know some of y'all, I know some of y'all. You can bring Rashid home, but don't bring Bart home. Stay with your own kind. I'm going to know, are you going to be biblical or are you going to be you? See, some of y'all ain't saying that because you know that's you. You sitting there right now hearing me talk and Jesus is speaking to us right now. He's speaking to the church. I don't care what your family says. I don't care what your community says. I want to know what God says. Let me keep moving. Lest I lose some of y'all on that little point. <laughs> Watch this. Jewish law prohibited intermarriage because the loyal Jews regarded intermarrying as unacceptable and wouldn't have, wouldn't have had anything to do with those who had betrayed them. So they, they wouldn't allow them, those folks who had been left behind, who had intermarried with some of the pagan nations. They, they, they wouldn't allow them to participate in the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem, so they shunned half Jews who were settled in Samaria. And the Samaritans upset that the Jews, even, they were upset with the Jews even more by, they upset the Jews even more by daring to build their own temple on Mount Gerizim and claiming it was the dwelling place of God. Now you want to get a Jew mad, you, you, you claim a place is the dwelling place of God when they, they know that the temple in Jerusalem was the dwelling place of God. So they thought. Everybody say, so they thought. So they told, 
the Samaritan told the Jews, go ahead and worship in Jerusalem. But Mount Gerasim is where God got his dust to make Adam. Mount Gerasim is where Noah's ark landed. And Mount Gerasim is where Abraham offered up Isaac. It's the place where the true worshiper meets God. So now you got this little other little faction going on between Jews and Samaritans. Okay, it upset those Jews because they believe deeply that God dwelled only in the temple at Jerusalem. So you had a you have a racial barrier. These these half Jews, these Jews, Samaritans were an intermingling between the Hebrew nation, the Jews and the pagan nation or the Gentile nations. So they were mixed. Everybody say they were mixed. Um, and guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. This racial barrier thing, uh, it's got to be, it's, it, the church has to lead the nation in dealing with it. The church hadn't dealt with it effectively. That's why the nation hadn't dealt with it effectively. Let me say it again. The church hasn't dealt with it effectively. That's why the nation hasn't dealt with it effectively. Judgment has to start at God's house first. And you sitting there right now, you know what you're feeling in your heart when I said what I said earlier. Because some of y'all sitting there right now thinking, if my son bring home somebody that don't look like us, it's going to be something. And you're wrong. I'm a, I, don't want, I, don't, I don't want you, I don't even want you to pretend like I said something different. You're wrong. And you're not in the will of God. Because no Christian should ever judge another person based on how they look on the outside. <laughs> Remember when, you know, it, it's, it's over in Samuel, but uh, when they were looking for a king, the, the principle was there in the face. It says, man looks at the outside, but God looks at what? Let's get the heart. So there was a racial barrier between. Them. And by New Testament times, this racial hatred was so intense that Jews traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee refused to take the direct route through Samaria, lest they come in contact with the Samaritan people and become contaminated. They, 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 the hatred was so was so strong they wouldn't even want to go through uh, Samaria. But the scripture text says Jesus must needs go. That means he had to do this because Jesus understood that the church, his church, when he left here, was not going to be a black church, a white church, Hispanic church, no other kind of church. It was going to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he must need, everybody say he had to go. John tells us Jesus had to go through Samaria. It was not a geographical necessity. No, it was a divine imperative, guys. Jesus refused to go out of his way to avoid certain people. And you got to stop going out of your way to avoid certain people. Hello, we got to be relational. Amen. Are y'all, y'all with me? Jesus had to take the opportunity to demonstrate God's love to all races of people. He had to protest the prejudice and the pride that he was seeing amongst the Jewish nation. And amongst the Samaritans, the half-breeds. Amen? So there was a racial barrier there. And I'm going to tell you something. The church, this will be a church here. EBC will be a church that I think that God will use, amen, to pull down racial barriers. And if you're not comfortable with that, you, you may want to leave. Because, see, God gives, I think God has strategically placed people in this church who, who, who are comfortable dealing with all kinds of people. You're not intimidated. You, you don't go around with your head hung down low. You can look people in the eye and deal with them just like you can speak truth to people. You don't have to be belligerent and violent, but you can speak truth according to what God's word says. And I think God has placed people in this body who, who's able to build and make connections and, not, and don't think anything about it. That's what he's doing. So if, if you're going to be a black Hebrew Israelite who think that white folks going to serve you and be your slave, you have to leave this place. Can't get away because God ain't in the color, and that's it. God does see color. He made us diverse. I'm not saying He doesn't see color because obviously, when you look at me, what, what's the first thing? If you had to describe me, first thing you would say was what? Pink shirt. Pink, shirt. <laughs> pink, pink out today. Most of the time, when we describe people, what do we do? We say, we, we, we first of all say what? Whether or not they're black or white, don't. Don't know anything about them, but we look at the outside. Now, again, celebrate diversity, guys. Listen, be proud of who you are. But just don't let who you are dictate and determine who you're going to be in relationship with. 
Can I get a witness? Amen. I said amen. I'm going to say it again. I said God's going to use this church to be a forerunner in building the relationships that are necessary for the church to be the true church. I can't worry about what somebody else is worried about and what, they, what they're thinking. Because in some churches, if you go, if too many of you come, people start to grumble. Hello? But I don't, if, if, if I, my, 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 you know what, if, if it was a, a, a utopia here on earth, I, I think that, you know, uh, this church ought to represent the community that we serve. And, and right now when I look out, we don't. We got a little smidgen here, a little smidgen there, but we need to represent this community that we serve. You can't make people come, but you all not not be a relationship and not talk to people, not encourage people to accept Christ and go where the Holy Spirit told them to go. If you if if, if you really in tune with God's Spirit, let the church say Amen. amen. All right, so so racial barrier. Then there's the, the second thing was the gender barrier. Everybody say gender. Amen. All right, so so. Watch what's happening. The gender barrier. We have the racial barrier and then we have the gender barrier. Uh, some strict Jews thank God in their daily prayers that they weren't born a Gentile or a woman. Now think of the audacity of that. Lord, I'm coming for you right now. I thank you that I'm not a woman. Now listen, <laughs> from a man's perspective, I'm glad I'm a man. I had never... Can I, can I say, talk to y'all this way? Because see, see, in our culture now, you, you, do, you do understand that in some, in some states, some municipalities, you can say you feel like you're a woman and then you can identify yourself as a woman. As a matter of fact, on some form, they say, what do you identify yourself as? A man or a woman? No, what are you? What did God make you with? Biologically, what are you? Have some of y'all been reading? Have, have, have y'all been understanding what's happening in the culture now? Do you understand what's going on? Do you understand that, that there is a, a, you know, a, 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 a slick, deliberate a scheme by the enemy to take away biblical principle and what God has taught us to be truth? So that now, if, 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 you, can, if you can get people to, to, to not understand that there is a truth, Huh? Then you can mess them up because there's no standard of truth. And that's why even in our media now, even this, this whole political scene is going on right, right now. People just lie, just tell a lie, and then now just the lie just be out there and, and they tell it so much that you start thinking the lie is truth. And so when you start doubting whether or not there is a truth, come on, then now you confuse. And that's what the enemy wants us to be confused. The word of God is the standard for truth. The word of God is what we're going to stand on. The word of God is what we're going to live our lives by, EBC. Stay with truth. Can I get a witness? So, so in the minds of many Jewish men, I, I'm going back to say, I, I, I thank God I'm a man, but I, I don't get up and pray every day, Lord, I thank you that I'm not a woman. Because women, women have issues. Women are less than men. In essence, in that society, in that culture, that's what they thought. How many brothers glad you are a brother? How many women glad you are a woman? Thank you, thank you. Man, woman, be glad the way God made you to be. Come on now. Understand who you are and embrace that, and don't let somebody come in and confuse you because you may be feeling a certain way. Maybe you have some tendency for same sex attraction, but you are a man. And perversion comes in, I mean, and disruption comes in and have you thinking something different, but you are who God made you to be. Gender barrier. See, but when this, this Samaritan woman came to draw water, she came to draw water. She, Jesus treated her as a person worthy of courtesy and respect. Amen. Jesus elevated, if you study scripture, Jesus elevated the status of women in society. He treated them with respect and compassion, 
which was unheard of in his day. And after Jesus's uh, death, burial, and resurrection, uh, go with me to the book of Acts right quick. And let me show you something that, that came as a result of Jesus's uh, liberation of women in his ministry. Look at Acts, the second chapter, verse number 14. Come on, got to move, got to move. So there was a racial barrier, there was a gender barrier, and then thirdly, we're going to see there was a spiritual barrier. You got to overcome these barriers if you're going to be relational. Okay? How comfortable are you talking to somebody who don't look like you? Huh? Whether that be racial, whether it be gender. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. Watch this. These people are not drunk. This is the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was ushered into the earth ram and they began to speak in other tongues at the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. It says these people are not drunk. As some of you are assuming, nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Some of y'all said, no, it ain't. Some of y'all saying you're nine o'clock, baby. I'm turning up the jack at nine. Now, if you turn up at the jack, Daniel, at nine o'clock in the morning, you better check yourself. As a matter of fact, you turn up at all, check yourself. <laughs> but Pastor, I don't do it at nine, but, but you know, man, 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 seven o'clock, man, when I, get, I need to kind of get a feeling, a little buzz on, you know, I just kind of just put my little, you know, the Hennessy in my cup, you know, just kind of. You, 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 you have enough trouble keeping your mind straight as it is. You stay off of that stuff. <laughs> no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Watch this, watch this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon what? All people. See, God is not just for the Jews. The Jews thought they had a patent on the true and living God. But God says, Listen, my spirit is for everybody. I'm going to pour out my spirit for all people. Your sons and your daughters will do what? Prophesy. Prophesy means to preach and to speak what thus said the Lord. Prior to this period of time, it would be inconceivable that a woman would share God's word. But he says here, my spirit has come. And it's, it's, it's Joel predicted that in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters. Will prophesy. Your young men will see vision, and your old men will dream dreams. Look at the next verse. It says, "What in those days I will pour out my spirit even upon my servants, men and women alike." And what are they going to do? They're going to prophesy. They're going to say what thus said the Lord. When I say what thus said the Lord, I'm preaching. So Jesus liberated women. Amen. With what He did here. In the earth realm, spiritual barrier. That was a spiritual barrier between Jews, between Jesus and this woman. She was a sinful woman. Her life had a series of failures, bad decisions and rejection. She had tried marriage several times, five to be exact, uh, but it never worked out. She finally given up on marriage. But in her loneliness, she continued to make bad choices because she was now living together with a new boyfriend. Let, let me say something, ladies. If, if, if you are constantly changing boyfriends. All the problem ain't with the boyfriends. Hey, become comfortable in who God has made you to be. You don't have to have somebody all the time. When you know who you are in Christ and comfortable, now it's okay to want to be married. It's okay to want to have companionship. But I'm, I'm talking about these thirsty women. I don't know why when I when I start saying that, I start. Nay, I'm sorry. I'm looking up y'all as y'all single y'all. Uh, is that you, Desiree? You over there? Y'all, y'all, y'all just young adults. I, my kindle my eyes just go that way. Let me go over here and talk to you. You thirsty women, understand who God has made you to be. It didn't leave even even if your desire is to connect with somebody, then let God, Amen, help you make the connection. But when you start running after guys, and then I've said this before, and I've counseled with young women before. I said, listen, if you keep on giving the milk away, they ain't gonna buy that cow. They gonna keep on milking that cow and getting the milk for free. 
Now, for y'all that are under 40, you don't know what I'm talking about. If you keep on having sex with him, he ain't going to ever make a commitment to you because you gave up the very best that you have before you ever said, I do. Now, y'all understand that, don't you? Help me, Jesus. Now, I'm saying it to you women, but you, you, you guys, dudes, single dudes. I said single dudes. Single dudes. Listen. Laying and playing with as many women as you possibly can don't make you a man. Dropping your seed all across town and beating your chest on you. I got seven children. You got seven children. I ain't taking care of none of them. That ain't a man. That's just a boy who's laying his seed anywhere it will fall. Be a man of integrity. Be a godly man. Okay. So here this woman is. Had five husbands. Stand with a man. I guess she, she gave up and said marriage don't work, so I'm just going to live with a man. And all of you all that are just living together, let me say something. Listen, you know, we've counseled with people, and, and there have been folks in this church who, who know what our stand is. And I, 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 I applaud some of the, the, the people who, who heard what the word of God says, and they made a course correction. They didn't stay in their sin. Why? Listen, what is preventing you from being married when you're living together? You've been living together for 10 years. You're doing everything that married people do. Don't, don't tell me you just stand together, ain't nothing happening. Don't, 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 you just, don't even insult my intelligence. Well, you know, he just, he just, he, he, he got a room and I got a room, but do y'all come together in one room? That's all I want to know. Don't insult me like that. You know when I know. I would listen. I would even try to put myself in that position. Tell me, I'm gonna live with you, and we're just gonna be living together, and it ain't nothing gonna happen because we saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not gonna put myself in that position. And if you if you wise, you wouldn't do that either, brother or sister. So we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna, gonna just keep it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna yeah we're gonna, we're gonna we, yeah it ain't gonna be, it ain't gonna be nothing. It ain't gonna be nothing. Yes, it is. Don't do that. You, 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 you put yourself in a position where, where, where you don't have the proper boundaries. And when the proper boundaries are not up, people will fall. Because God made sex and it's good. Okay, Christian, you can't say that, kid in church. He says it's good. What? Think about this for a second. God created us with that capacity. God created us with those desires, but he put boundaries in place to protect us. So if God made it, it can't be evil. It's just that we, we making, when we do it outside of his, his divine will, it becomes evil. Amen? So spiritual bear. A respectable Jewish rabbi wouldn't be caught speaking to this kind of woman in public. It would destroy his reputation, but Jesus did. You see, Jesus didn't care about people's criticism. He was more concerned about the soul of this sinful woman, and he sought to give her the water of life. So how do you overcome those barriers? Number one, he reached, he just reached out in love. If you go overcome those barriers, you got to reach out in love. Love will cover a multitude of sins. He reached out in love, but he also told her the truth. See, love don't mean that you, you tolerate any and everything. Some people think that if you really love people, you know, just accept them the way they are and don't say anything about their lifestyle. Listen, if you really love somebody, you got to speak truth. See, when you start saying this is wrong, people don't like for you to say it's wrong. You judging me. No, I'm telling you what the word of God says. I love you, but I'm telling you what the word of God says. He told her the truth. He told her about it. So he said, listen, yeah, 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 you've had, you know, he said, Jesus, all of a sudden, Jesus said, where's your husband? I don't have one. You're right. You've had five, and the one you live with now ain't your husband. He spoke truth to her. And he, he began to share with her about herself and it, it opened this woman up to receive his, 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 his delivering message. So, so what, what are some things that can help us to accept one another, whether it be racial, whether it be gender-wise, whether it be spiritual-wise? What are some things that can help us to accept one another? Let's go through them right quick. Number one, stop comparing, compare yourself to Jesus and not to other people. Everybody says, compare myself to Jesus and not other people. 
We, over in the gospel according to St. Luke, we, we, we see where, where Jesus, uh, in the 18th chapter of the gospel according to St. Luke, Jesus uh, gave um, uh, uh, some, uh, a real uh, pointed picture of, of what it looks like to, to, to be prideful and compare yourself to other people. Amen. Uh, Jesus, in the 18th chapter of St. Luke, the 14th chapter, he said, I tell you, this, this man, rather than the other one who went home justified before God. In other words, when the, when the, when the guy came up and, the, uh, and they, they, both of them came to the temple to pray and then one was, uh, you know, I think it was a the, was the rich guy and he came and uh, began to pray and said, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like these other folks. Uh, Lord, I, you know, I, I, I tied. I do this. I go uh, let me put them in my vernacular. Lord, I, I tied. I come to church. I ain't never missed the Bible study. I turn in all my assignments. Uh, you know, I pray every time they ask me to pray. And Lord, you know, I'm a good Christian. I'm a good member of EBC. That's a prideful prayer. The other guy said, Lord, just have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I, I, listen, I, I got all kind of messed up stuff going on inside. I need you to deliver me. Jesus said that man who came with that prayer in Luke 18 went down justified when the other one with his pride for self didn't even God, that prayer didn't get any further than the ceiling. So stop comparing yourself to other people. Compare yourself to Jesus and not other. When you compare yourself to Jesus, you're going to always find yourself lacking. Because we all need to come up a, a notch or two, right? Second thing we said, if, if you're going to learn to accept other people, is stand for your convictions with a gentle spirit. Everybody say gentle spirit. Notice what Ephesians 4 and 15 says. Stand for your conviction with a gentle spirit. Ephesians 4 and 15 says, instead, we speak the, back up to verse 14. Let's catch that and we'll, we'll move forward. It says, then we will no longer be immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. And that's happening today, guys. Instead, we will do what? We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. When you speak truth, don't be mean and, 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 and aggravating when you talk. Learn to speak the truth in the spirit of love. People can receive stuff from you when you speak it, amen, with a spirit of love. There are some Christians who are so dogmatic and so uh, religious in their, in, their, in their approach, but you turn people away. Speak the truth in love. So when you're trying to build relationships, stand for your convictions. Don't stop being, let the word of God be your guide, but stand with your, for your convictions with a gentle spirit. A spirit of love. Amen. And that way people will learn. People will be more apt to come together with you. The, the next thing, reach out in friendship to the person with whom you disagree. If I'm going to reach somebody with the gospel who don't even think about the gospel, somebody who, don't, who, who maybe don't even like church people, they may not agree with anything I say. But when I reach out to them, I got to be able to reach out to them knowing that God sent me to them to, to minister to them. So why am I getting mad at the person who disagrees with me? They don't know anything about the Lord I serve. They don't understand what God has done for me, how he made a way out of no way, how he's restored me, how he's, he's kept me, how he's delivered me. But I know what he's done. So when I begin to reach out to that person who disagrees with me, then they need to see the love of God on the inside of me. Can I get a witness? So, 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 so reach out in friendship to the person whom you disagree with because, uh, you know, when that, you know, this woman in Samaria was, was, was talking to Jesus and she was, you know, she, she didn't agree with what Jesus said, but then once Jesus came to her, just the mere fact that Veronica Jesus was talking to her made an impact because she knew Jewish men, particularly rabbis, didn't talk to women in public. They didn't even talk to their wife or their sister in public. And here he is talking to this woman who, by all counsel, if you would know her history, you think she's a loose woman. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? All right. So here he is talking to her in public. So reach out in friendship to the person whom you may disagree with. Fourth thing, listen patiently to those who are different than you. Sometimes we don't know where people are coming from because we don't take the time to listen to what they got to say. Even if it's it, it, even if it's blasphemous, even if it's uh, you know goes against everything that you believe and you've been taught, take time to listen so you know where they're coming from. And then allow the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom to be able to deal with them right where they are. We got to meet people where they are, Sherry. We keep trying as a church to get people to come up here and say, now we accept that we can talk to you. But you got to reach them where they are. Reach them while they're still a drunk. 
reaching while they're still on drugs, reaching while they're still out there whoremongering, reaching right where they are. Are y'all listening to me today? Listen patiently to those who are different than you. Amen. And lastly, practice seeing people the way God sees them because God don't look at the outside. He looks at the heart. Quit making judgment and determination based on how somebody dresses. Quit making judgment and determination based on where somebody came from. Amen. We got to get to the point to where when we see people, we see them the way God sees them. God sees them as somebody who I want to have a personal relationship with. I want God wants us to see people as as, as a body of folks who need him as their Lord and Savior. That's what Jesus saw with this woman at the well. And guys, I'm going to tell you, we got to learn to accept one another. Even though we may have differences in the body of Christ, we still got to accept one another. Even though the Jew and Gentile had different cultural upbringings, Paul was encouraging them to accept one another. Don't allow those differences that are not related to doctrine amen, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to separate you. Amen. Don't allow meat that have been offered to idols to separate you. Learn how, amen, to see people the way God sees them. And when we do that, we'll have a better chance of accepting one another so that the world can see that we do get along as a church body. Amen. Get a Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.